Welcome to The Art of Charm, I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is a show that we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. So make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here, as well as getting some killer free stuff by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show, but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, check out the toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction, such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, even relationship management and breakups. That stuff is all obviously extremely important to your success, so make sure you get a handle on that as well. We've also got our boot camps and our live training running every single week here in Hollywood, California. Details on that at theartofcharm.com, or just give us a call or even email me, Jordan H. at The Art of Charm, and I'll tell you exactly what you need to know to get started with that. I'm looking forward to meeting all you guys here at The Art of Charm. All right, today we're talking with my friend Andrew Faraby from knowledgeformen.com and the Knowledge for Men podcast. And I just want to give a quick little announcement here that a lot of guys have been emailing and saying, hey, the commercials for the boot camps and sometimes even the close of the show are doubled up in some of the episodes, especially the older ones. If you spot one of those, let me know what episode number it is and what spot is doubled up. We use some old software to insert those and it messed up. And obviously, I have no idea how to go through and find all of those. So if you hear an error, on an episode, let me know, email me, jordanh at theartofcharm.com, and I'll figure out how to go in there and scoop it out and make it right again. And I appreciate you guys giving me feedback when there's something weird going on with the show because I can't catch everything. Anyway, Andrew actually went from a clinically depressed Target employee to a blogger, a podcaster, and a marketer. who run, He was a non-techie guy, and he runs a really nice website, a good podcast that's got a lot of traction lately as well, which is it's pretty amazing to see the growth there. And he also embarked on a personal growth path that landed him all the way through to an Art of Charm boot camp. And we're talking about that path and some of the lessons he learned right here on the show. So enjoy this one with Andrew Faraby. So first of all, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it because we're going to get a different story from you about, you know, the or the superhero origin story, which not many people get because it's it's kind of funny. I did my show for a really long time before anybody kind of cared about, you know, who I was doing the show. And then I think it deepens you as a show host and a blogger and as a, I guess, internet media personality or whatever, uh, imp, (laughs) (laughs) if you will. Um, and, uh, I just made that up. I don't know if that's going to fly, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's good to see here because I know I've been on your show before and I don't really know much about you and you sent me the show prep, you know, before the interview. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about you, even though you were a client at the Art of Charm, I didn't. I had much less to do with your boot camp that week, and uh, I know a lot of other coaches were telling me a lot of things about you as well. So I'm glad I get a chance to to dig in here. But let's sort of reverse. Right now, you've got a great blog, you've got a great podcast, but let's reverse and go back a little bit to just a little over a year ago. Which, first of all, you were depressed, you were really down and out. But 18 months, I mean, that's not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, it, I was going through a period of my life where. 
I had just graduated college, uh, was going through a breakup. Uh, it was like this girl that I was extremely like passionate about, wanted to like marry and lost her and hated my job and kind of lost all. I was super involved and super extremely social in college. And just to graduate and lose all of that, I was working in, in North County, San Diego, which, which is boring, uh, coming from San Diego State University. And it, it, I was just found myself in a position where, I, where life had just changed so fast in such a short amount of time and too many things were happening that I had completely just lost control and the emotions just took over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you started going through a lot. I mean, first of all, did you actually get diagnosed with depression? Yeah, I was, I was seeing psychologists. Uh, I, I knew to like reach out for help and it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Cause I, I'm looking at this, this prep here and it's like, you were driving along a bridge and you thought, what would happen if I just drive off the bridge? Yeah, there, and, there's, I can remember that pretty vividly. Um, there's this huge bridge in San Diego and, uh, it's like a really high up bridge. It connects you from Coronado Island. Uh, this beautiful little island to downtown San Diego. And I just remember driving along that bridge and just feeling like this gut level pain, like someone was just like had scissors and was chopping up my guts. And I, I just remember, you know, it was just me on the road and uh, just it actually occurred to me, like what would happen if I just turned my wheel, you know, four inches to the right? And what would that look like? You know, would that take the pain away? And, and yeah, so that he's talking about it, like gives me the, gives me the cringes cause it's nowhere where I am now, but that's, that's where I was at. Like I had this level of depression and, um, you know, I wasn't happy with where I was. So what about your parents? I mean, that's the first question I'm asking is, you know, did they know did, you didn't live with them? Right. So they had no clue. And you, you know, you talk to your mom Yeah, I'm just really busy. Right. And, and you kind of probably just dealt with it and they probably did they have any idea what was going on with you mm, i don't think they understood the severity like i think i was kind of holding it in myself and um parents are divorced and, you know that definitely played a critical role in like a lot of the kind of like building up to this um not a critical role but some factor and so they, they were briefly aware that i wasn't doing okay something wasn't right but they did not know that i was having that i was seeing a psychologist and uh and, and experiencing this. Yeah, yeah, because for me, it seems like the first thing I would do is tell, tell my parents, but I also have never been in that situation, so what the hell do I know, right? Because I feel like when you're in that situation, you don't want to tell people. There's a lot of shame in American culture, or probably any culture, around being depressed, because people who don't understand it are like, just suck it up, you know? Oh, poor little spoiled kid, grew up in America, has everything he wants, lives in San Diego, they don't realize it's like a brain chemical dysfunction. It's not, wham, 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 I had a bad childhood because I didn't get Super Nintendo, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, much it's, much more deeper than that. Right, and, and I know a lot of people that have had this that have no reason to be depressed at all. They're smart, they've got a lot of things going for them, they're generally otherwise healthy, they've got good jobs, it's just something that seems to af affect people almost at random. And so I'm looking at this this post on your blog. It's like 4:30 a.m. The alarm goes off. You're getting you're describing your wake up process that just it's like painful to even read. And <laughs> you know, I mean, I you, you wrote I sit here and stare at the wall eating my bland cereal, which promises to lower my cholesterol. So I had that going for me. I mean, that that's depressing. You know, 
the, the fact that you might lower your cholesterol at some point through eating, you know, cornflakes. I mean, if that's the highlight of your day, I, I'm with you. And then you rolled through to your job at a retail store. I don't know if we need to mention it, but it's a, it's a big one. And you just, you were listening to podcasts like The Art of Charm, Pat Flynn, all those guys. And then you were just like, you know what? To, to hell with this. I'm, I'm out. This sucks. Yeah. Uh, I was working at a, right after I graduated college, I, I had the job before I graduated. Um, and I was working at a major retailer and I was, I was going to be put in, it was called a high risk store. So high risk means like bad things happen in this neighborhood. There's only two oh, and, and yeah, there's only two in, uh, in all of like my district and, um, or like the Southern California region. And so I was in one of them and basically there's like a high drop rate. You have like, uh, not the best employees, like quality. And so I was managing the store, I had 80 employees. I had just graduated college and yeah, I mean, I was just working crazy hours, uh, not too thrilled about my day. And so I explained it there. Like, like I go through my whole wake up process of, just getting ready. And then how I, I was always had this little, you know, I mentioned that I listened to podcasts and read a ton of books because there was like a seed, like there was, there was something that was happening there where I was, I was being, uh, like there was a little bit of hope and it was like something that I was holding on to, which was personal development, uh, entrepreneurship. And this is something that I felt that was going to help me get out of depression and the position that I was in. And you kind of took it from there. You well, you quit your job, which must have been pretty freeing. And there's a picture of you kind of really, you know, almost yeah. giddy, you know, about to tear off your polo, for your work uniform. Uh, and <laughs> you, you mentioned that after that, you, you, you call yourself a true entrepreneur. And I love that phrase because I think a lot of people, it's almost like a, it's a description, but also kind of an insult. And it kind of depends uh, on, on how you use it. But you define it as someone who wants to become an entrepreneur and reads everything and talks his mouth off all day. And it's very true. There's so many of those, especially now, because there's a current trend, especially in podcasting, for guys to like start something and promote it, do 10, 12 episodes and go, wow, this is hard and, and quit. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting that you thought, I didn't think that you could have your own startup. You know, you thought it was something that only lucky people do. You hadn't factored in inspiration or motivation that you would get later on, of course, but it seems it seems funny because you sort of you started to pull yourself out of the funk by going through and working on your business acumen, working on getting through these things and it, you know, you were done with college, you'd settled into that crappy job and then quit. Was it what do you think came first? I mean, did you sort of self cure, quote unquote, your depression? Or did that combined with treatment and then getting your, your proverbial shit together, was that what pulled you out of it? Or did you have to take care of the, the mental aspect first and then follow through with the business stuff? Because I feel like if you're depressed, you can't go to meetup groups, get mentors, work your butt off because you can barely get out of bed. Yeah, uh, it, it was extremely challenging to, to take action, to actually move. Like after coming home from work, all I wanted to do was just sit at home and like watch a movie. Like just I would get a red box grab a beer and then I'd watch a movie and it like that was that was what I was doing and then I just like stoked do that same process to get back up in the morning but it was going it was listening to the podcast it was going to meetup events it was reading books and actually it was meetup meetups played a huge role because I was surrounding myself with you know a lot of those guys are entrepreneurs themselves but there's a few guys there who are entrepreneurs and and putting yourself in different environments and changing your routine 
um, this is like really what started getting me moving. And I was just extremely excited to to meet people. I would attend like two to three meetups a week, even when I was working 50, 60 hours a week. Like I would push myself to go out and meet new people. And I just started learning so much. It's like how I learned about blogging and what is WordPress and what is a podcast. Uh, I was looking at real estate investing. I was just looking at everything that had on Meetup like 50 or more people. Like I didn't really care what the event was. I just wanted to learn and surround myself with some you know interesting people who weren't all depressed like I was. So it was through action that and putting myself in new environments that I slowly started to feel better. I didn't even know it at the time. I kind of just lost lost track of the depression. Like it it didn't happen just one day, but over a period of months of just continuous action and surrounding myself with new people and reading more books and books, um I slowly just it just kind of went away. It it slowly just like, whoa, I don't even remember the depression because I just got lost in this on this entrepreneur, which is which it, it, it can be a negative thing. Like you said, it can be positive or negative, um, depending on how it's used. Sure. But, but for me, um, being a entrepreneur, I kind of write about it as being a, in a negative way because you kind of get bored of it after a while. But it, it's a transformative stage uh, because you understand what's possible and you start looking at the corporate life as really just an option and not something that you have to do. And, and, and yeah, so entrepreneurship, you know, I studied entrepreneurship, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. And, and, you know, just to be super clear, I want to just say that it's very, I accept that depression is like, it's a brain chemical thing. People who say, oh, just suck it up. They don't understand it is, it is a disease. It is chemical. It is something that's, that is hard to avoid, but I think it can be triggered by things that aren't in a, in alignment in your life, to use sort of the woo-woo term for it. And so you being stuck in a regular job, probably listening to podcasts actually hurt and helped because you were listening to a bunch of people talk about how successful they were and how they were getting so many things done with their lives and how flexible their lives were and how happy they were. And you were you know, constantly comparing that media aggrandized idea of them with the reality of what your life was and even then looking at that in a negative light. So oh, that, yeah. that gap between who you thought you were and who you thought those people were, it was enormous. I mean, that was the Grand Canyon, and that's a recipe for depression, even people that don't have brain chemical stuff going on, right? Yeah, I think not following your values. Well, not knowing who you are and then not following you know, who you are, like your, the values that you have. I, I was in the entrepreneurship society at school at San Diego State, and I, you know, dabbled into different things in the past. But it was it was a conflict of of who I was and what I was actually doing, and so that was causing some challenges. But definitely not the main reason why I was uh, depressed. Cool. Yeah, I just want to clarify that because I think a lot of people are like, "Ah, oh, you're talking about depression like it's something people can help," and I'm. I'm saying, yeah, you know, it's, it, it is and it isn't, but I definitely can think to times where I know a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs that talk about going through depression and it always, it's never like when their business is about to fail. That can trigger some depression, but usually it triggers like fear and panic and action. But usually entrepreneurs, when you talk to them about the, the time when they, whenever I ask them, like, when were you down the most? It's usually sometime in the distant past, if you're getting them being honest when they were stuck in a system or structure that doesn't work for them. And I know when I worked on Wall Street, 
I was kind of like excited by the energy, but I also felt like I'm going to start to get depressed. This is going to start to take its toll. And it, and it did. And, and being stuck in school, for example, and in structures that don't fit entrepreneurs, which is pretty much any structure that's designed for the lowest common denominator of people, it will almost always trigger a depression. So if you are in a rut right now listening to this going, I really hate my job, not that the job itself is bad or that the people I work with suck, and not just that I want more for myself, but just there's some itch somewhere and you're wondering why you're not motivated and that you're a bad employee, it may be that you're an entrepreneur and you just kind of don't know it yet because you never thought about owning your own business. Because for me, I never thought about owning my own business. I didn't really care, you know? It wasn't a thing that was high on my list of priorities and I didn't really know what I wanted. And then when I, I started The Art of Charm accidentally, and guys who listen to the show know the story, it started to go, oh wait, this is fun. I can stay up all night working and it doesn't even feel like work. And I can bust my butt day and night 24-7 on this, whereas every other job I've had in my life doesn't feel that way. And, and you know, fast forward seven years or so later, however long it's been since I left Wall Street, I'm still doing that. And other people who are around me are like, damn, you need to chill out. You, you, you need to, you're like a workaholic or something. Maybe that's true, but also it doesn't really feel like work. So when people go, oh, work-life balance, I'm going, okay, well, if you have to balance out something because you hate work, I get it. But for me, I might be relaxing on the dock of uh, uh, somewhere or the bow of a ship and I'm going, how can I use something or what ideas can I take from my vacation or what people can I meet that will improve the art of charm in some way? And it's just always on my mind and I love it. I don't feel like it's taxing. Let's get back to the show. I feel you on this. You were sitting there at this retail store being like, this blows. You know, there, that's probably all that you were thinking is just like, not because the job sucks, not because you hate stocking shelves, not because your boss is an a-hole, but just because you felt, one, a lack of, of potential that you've reached, and two, it just, something just did not fit. And that was what probably triggered some of your depression. Mm, yeah. I mean, would you agree with that? I'm totally just putting words in your mouth here. Uh, yeah, uh, it definitely doesn't help. It doesn't help a situation when you're already not doing well personally and then you have to go to a job that you don't like. Then it's just like double whammy. Like at least have a job that you are enjoying. And that's why some people kind of escape to work because they're escaping their life. But uh, I had both not going for me, both like personal life and uh, professional life. And your your comment makes, you know, there's a quote by Seth Godin that just kind of like struck up where he says, instead of wondering when your next vacation is, maybe you should set up a life you don't need to escape from. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. You have a great quote in this in this article as well. You know, you explained that you had the job, but you had no passion for it, and you exchanged your time for a paycheck so you could buy nice things and look, quote-unquote, normal in society, and that it was that it was really a, a giant mess and a bad loop. And you, you quote Nigel Marsh, who said, there are thousands and thousands of people out there leading lives of quiet, screaming desperation where they work long, hard hours at jobs they hate to enable them to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. And it's 100% true, and you find yourself... There's no, there's no place that has more of those guys than Wall Street, so I, I totally get that. <laughs> and you felt at your core that, it was, that you were an entrepreneur and a hustler, and you were stuck, you know, stocking shelves and making coffee. <laughs> uh, I, I was the manager, so I wouldn't put it in those terms, but I was, I was definitely in a position where I, I wasn't 
I, it didn't blend. Like I had, I knew that I had skills and abilities and I wasn't utilizing them in that environment. And, and, and the, the whole corporate culture just, it's, it's not something for me. At least you were the manager. <laughs> at you know? least I was the manager. You had worked past stocking shelves and making coffee. I get it. <laughs> All right. And I mean to it insult you there you still had a red polo on i'm just i'm just saying <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and now, now you're giving it away so yeah that's actually there was some guy who was who was standing there actually he was the card attendant and uh that was my employee so i told him hey take a picture of me and so that that was what i looked like uh like seconds after uh i just left for the yeah. last time was he like screw you dude you're not my boss anymore you just quit yeah he didn't know he just okay and then uh i literally i was just quitting he didn't realize yeah you're like fuck it <laughs> i'm out too. Yeah, yeah. Come with you, me. You would think that would be him, but it, it's the manager like dipping out. Yeah, that's that. That must have. That's so funny. It reminds me of that half baked thing. And I've quoted this in the show before, where the dude. Remember that movie Half Baked, where the dude's in the fast food place and he's like, "Fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you, I'm out," and like just walks off the job. You ever remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, exactly. So tell me, tell me then what what happened there? I mean, did you go home and just? feel relief and then start to have like a panic attack because you didn't know what you were going to do or did you already have a plan oh yeah i had no plan i I actually was excited for a week and then i I was just like what the hell did i do like i I was actually pretty scared i remember laying in bed just like waking up one morning and i'm like holy shit like like i i don't have to go to work like because i had i was like celebrating for that first week and uh that the week where i was like i'm gonna work I didn't even know what to do. I didn't even know really where I would begin. Like I had a domain knowledgeformen.com and I, I just didn't take it like extremely seriously. I, I just thought it'd be a fun blog and it was already like Google didn't like it. Uh, I had done like bad things with SEO. So I was like nowhere to be found on Google and I didn't really think of it as a priority, like something that would be an option, but it was all that I had. It was all that like kind of, you know, I was interested in it. I was really passionate about the subjects. And I had a lot to say, but I had no idea that I would turn this into, you know, my full time income and, and build this business. Uh, so I, I just the first thing I started doing was writing down all my thoughts and feelings about what had happened uh, since I had graduated. And like, what have I learned from college since I graduated and this whole experience of quitting? What have I learned? And so I wrote an article. I spent like a week writing this one article. <laughs> this is all that I did. And it was called the 13 lessons to discover yourself in your 20s. And I remember I submitted it and I was like, awesome, cool. Like, I finally did something. Uh, hopefully this works out. Productivity. Yeah, you're like, productivity. Yeah. Just like went back. To I, hit, I hit publish and uh, I was like, oh, like nothing happened. I was like, oh, 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 oh okay, nothing happened. <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was supposed to expect on WordPress. But for some reason, I thought when you hit publish, like, you know, something cool, it, it at least say like, great job. Nothing happened, and then I went to bed, and then I woke up, and I remember I had all these texts like on my phone, and I was like, oh, I was like, what is this? And there was, it was like people saying your website's down, check it out, like uh, what's going on? Because I had shared it on my own personal Facebook. That's it. Like after before I went to bed, and I remember I, I opened up my website, and it said like server unable to reach server, and I was like, oh crap, what happened? Right, and then. What happened was uh, that article was going viral. It it was uh, I checked analytics because that worked Google Analytics, and I had like twenty thousand views, uh, something like that twenty thousand twenty five thousand views uh, within just that one night, like eight hours, 
And at the at that moment, there was like 800 people on my website, like trying to access it. It was it was showing like real time, and it showed like all these different countries. And I was just like, "What the hell is going on?" Called my server, had to upgrade, got everything working after a few hours. And then that one article, I just I remember I was going to an event with friends, and I was like, "Dude, you guys, like my article is going viral right now. Like I have like it from the morning to like the evening, I had like 50,000 views." And then it was just insane. Like I kept hitting refresh and it would just show like an extra couple hundred views, a couple hundred extra views. And that article went on to get, I haven't checked it in a while, but I know that it went on to get like well, well over a hundred and like 40,000 views uh, w- within just one week. And, and so that, that was like the beginning when I was like, wow, like this is awesome. Like I was getting so much feedback uh, from different people who read it people sending me emails. Um, it, was, it just went viral. And, and people were regarding me as like some internet entrepreneur. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I just wrote an article. And so I just went with it. Like people who didn't know about entrepreneurship thought I was like this next thing. And I was just like, okay, yeah, sure. And I was kind of scared to, to publish again, because I was like, I don't know if I could ever do anything like that. I don't know if I could continue to to pump out that type of content. Like I don't even know what went through my head, but I was able to do it. And I went on this series where I just kept putting together content. Like I have one article, a few others that I wrote, like the 21 things to let go to become the happiest person in the world. Uh, this article went got over 100,000 views as well. This one went viral and then I wrote another one called The 10 Reasons Why No One Knows What You're do- No One Knows What They're Doing in Their 20s. This one is my most popular article. Um and it got uh well over uh, a quarter million downloads or not downloads, views. And so these articles just all went crazy. And I I I wrote a bunch more and I just kept ex- doing experiments and publishing content and people just started latching onto it. And so that was really when I started to look at this a lot more seriously. When I was just like, there was just a, a, a period of time where I was just writing and writing and writing and pumping out content that what, what I felt like hadn't been, been seen before. Most people would charge for this type of content. Like most articles are 600, 800 words. If you go over a thousand, you're just like going above and beyond. I was writing like 5,000 word articles, uh, like 7,000 word articles. Um, it could have just been like an ebook if I expanded on it. And and that was when knowledge for men. That was when I started going full time with knowledge for men, just knowing that this is this is this is it. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll, uh, I'll transition from here. So were you some kind of quote unquote internet expert? You know, back then, did you know how to get viral articles? Did you know how to start and crush your podcast? Did you have that? You know, did you create the website yourself, or were you kind of a newbie when it all when it all went down? I mean, the writing thing you didn't know how to replicate, but were you technical before that? Um. Yeah, so no, I actually have no background. You know, I, when I went to school, I was studying to be a history teacher. Like, I was always fanatical about military history and like uh, World War II and and uh, just just you know why people do what they do. And so I have no background with like internet marketing. Um, I'm not actually not even a good a good writer. Like, I, I was so surprised at how, why people liked it uh, when I first started. Like in college, like I, I'm like a C writer. Like. <laughs> Like I would never, I would rarely get good grades uh, on papers. Um, but, but I was talking about things that I was super passionate about and I just kind of threw away all the academic writing and put it into my own words, which, which had a lot of emotion and, and it looks like, you know, people latched onto that and the podcast came because 
uh, I, I actually ran out of things to say. Like I remember writing, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm burnt out. Like I'm, I think I'm empty. Like I'm running on empty. Uh, it's like, you know, your gas in your car. It's like, you're, I'm going to run out of things to say. Like I had been writing about my life and my experiences. And I was like, I think I've shared almost like everything I've got here. And so that's when I started doing interviews with people. It was like, why don't I get people who've gone through way crazier stories and, and want, and I could share that on my podcast because I, I have an audience here that I want to serve. And so that's how the Knowledge for Men podcast started was me trying to bring people on because I ran out of content. Interesting. And, yeah, that's how the podcast started. Um, and the podcast did really well. I was able to leverage all the traffic I had um, from the blog to quickly get higher profile guests. And like my first three guests was, was Robert Green, uh, 48 laws of power mastery. And this is like one of my like idols, like that guy's a modern day Yoda. And then, and even you, you were on the show episode, episode 13. And I I remember being like, Oh, he hasn't launched yet, but I, I, you know, I'll do it, whatever. You never know. And it seemed, you seem nice. And then when it, I saw this big bump and I was like, oh, that came out and actually launched and actually got traffic because, you know, most interviews that you do with people on podcasts, they just like never see the light of day. Right. Right. Or they yeah, or they have 12 listeners. So you don't even notice. Yeah. You just never see it. Uh, the podcast went on to become uh, it was number one in iTunes New Noteworthy for business, health and education. And for a short period of time, it was it was number 27 out of, out of all the podcasts and there's a screenshot with me like above 60 minutes. And, yeah. Like, Bill Maher, you know, down underneath. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, got, I've got my own screenshot brilliant. with that too, where I'm like, yeah, you know, but it's, it's short lived. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's short lived. Yeah. I thought it was permanent. I was like, no way. And so it really <laughs> propelled me and, yeah. and got me to go further. Um, and so it went on to get like a quarter million downloads within three months. And I've continued to, to get about, a hundred thousand downloads uh, each month, uh, even after the new and noteworthy period. And I've interviewed celebrity guests like Jordan Belfort from The Wolf of Wall Street, um, Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, uh, Kevin Harrington. He's like the original Shark Tank judge from ABC. Yeah, and and I just like hunted down all these people. Like you know, I, I just wanted to show people that man, anybody can can go out and do this kind of stuff. I mean, not anybody per se but that it's possible and that like i didn't have a network and that i didn't have um like find like money to do this uh, you know i just had this idea and i had some momentum that i built with writing and i just kept pushing forward and and just it's just like a game to me like who who can i get next it's really just a game uh, I, I don't really get sad if, if i can't get someone i just go awesome like i'll move on uh I hear yeah, you. Yeah, no, I'm that's I feel the same way uh when it comes to guest booking as well. Enjoy the rest of the show. So what are some of the biggest takeaways you got from that journey? I mean, it was it was short and it's continuing, but you're you're light years where you from where you started. I mean, what were some of your biggest takeaways from that? Yeah, I, you know that's a that's a really good question. I, I've there, there's so much that I've learned, and I've tried to like compile some of this um, as I've shared it in the, previously. It's well, one of the biggest things that like epiphanies that really came out to me was, you know, write your own story. 
or somebody else will happily do it for you. Um, it's like when I was in the corporate grind, when I, when I was kind of just following what I was being, I felt like kind of, you know, this is what you do. Like, go, go out, go out and get your job and, and go buy a car and get in a condo. You know, that was somebody else's story. And I was living that. But it really took me. It, I got out of depression because I, I took my own pen and I started to write my own story. Like if you were to imagine like for the listeners, like there's a guy writing your story and he's just going to tell you like how your life is going to be. Like you're going to get this job. You're going to cap out with this much income. You're going to get this type of girl. You're going to, nope, you're not, you're nope, you're not getting that house. I'm not going to allow it. It'd be like, no, slap that guy in the face, grab your pen and start writing your story because that's, that's what this has been for me. It's like, I just, like write down my goals and and I just go for them. I take massive action. I start getting results. I get experience. I get mentors. I read tons of books and I, you know, in the area that I want to achieve it, uh, excel in. And I continue to push, like just keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. And it's your story. You know, Joe Rogan has a, a cool thing where he says like, you know, imagine your your life as a documentary film, and there's always a crew around you, like at all times. There's just a crew around you filming your life. And to take it a step further, like that's what he says. I would add now, it, if this was a movie that you were, if there are ten movies, you know, would you watch your own movie? If someone actually made a movie of your life and there were ten other people, would you sit back and happily watch your own movie? Would it be entertaining? Would it be would there be drama? Would there be excitement? Would there be adventure? Would there be like lessons and massive growth and transformation? Or would you actually just rather watch someone else's movie? Or would you rather watch like Transformers or something? <laughs> like write your own story, live your own story. And for me, I've only been doing this like over a year now. I quit my job in in May 2013. And then, you know, right now it's, we're in the summer of 2014. So, you know, massive, massive amount of change can happen. And that's like this message that I'm sharing here and that no one is going to come to your rescue. Like for some reason, I thought that it would get better. Like I was like, oh, it'll get better. But like, it's really not going to get better unless you make it better. And so that comes with action and goal setting. But, you know, no, I, it took me a while to realize that. And that, that was huge for me. It's like you have to accept full responsibility for your life. And, and, you know, don't blame anyone else. No excuses. This is it. Like this is it. Where you are now is, is a culmination of all the actions, all the experiences and actions that you've taken. And so accepting full responsibility for your life, was, it's, that's it. And, and to choose yourself for what you want to do. Like knowing that... you. You don't have to have credentials. I mean, if you want to be a doctor or professional, like you'll need credentials, but you don't need to wait for someone to tell you that you're allowed to do something. Um, I'm sure you, Jordan, started podcasting with, with not a lot of like audio recording. You probably like, you know, what kind of mic should I get? Like, how do I record? How do um, I edit? We got cheap mics. AJ figured out how to edit. And we bought an audio thing that Guitar Center had to like special order for us because nobody had a USB interface where you could plug microphones into it it just wasn't even back in 2006 they were like if you had that it was like what kind of futuristic crap are you guys doing <laughs> it's like whoa where is that is that from silicon valley like, right what? yeah it was an M a, a usb mic <laughs> it was a complete piece of crap and i remember it was like 150 bucks and it had two plugs and two like shitty ass preamps that were like 
you know, plugged in, you could plug mics in. And the, I remember the guys being like, you want to plug two microphones into a computer? What? And this is 2006. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. But yeah. now it's now, of course, you've got like 50 input audio interfaces that are rack mountable plug in via Firewire or Thunderbolt. And, you know, there's all kinds of software that's amazing for that. But they were like, I think GarageBand might not support two microphones, but you can try. So we had this version of GarageBand that like could support two mics via this thing. And there was an emulator. I mean, it was a huge mess. And uh, we bought like these cheap microphones that were built for a studio that we didn't have. So that's why the original audio quality of the show is garbage because they were cheap mics, but they were also really sensitive because they were for a studio. But instead, we went into a basement with a furnace. And uh, so, yeah, everybody can enjoy those on the first few episodes. But, you know, now now we've got a studio that's as good as anything at Sirius XM. We bought the same microphones and hardware that they had uh, when we worked there. So it's it's really funny looking back at that. But, yeah, we had no idea what we were doing, man. I still feel like I just figured out the whole podcasting thing maybe maybe sometime this year because the yeah. stuff I'm putting out this year is so much better than anything I ever put out before, in my opinion, that it's it's really funny to look back and be like, oh man, you know, this is this is not as easy as people think it is. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm still you know learning how to do stuff on WordPress. I, like, there are certain areas that I don't go towards. Like, I just hire someone else to do it. Like, I I don't know how to do everything with with podcasting. You know, my own podcast. You know, I'm still learning how to be a podcast host. Yeah, I'm getting a hundred thousand downloads a month, and I've interviewed. Um, yeah, I've achieved what, what I've wanted to with podcasting. I'm like, oh crap. So I have to set new boundaries uh, or new goals to, to achieve more. And just to point out, you know, listeners, like just choose yourself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like a, like a C and D high school student who had to take like, uh, those remedial classes in college to like catch up. Uh, it was like, Hey, like it was like government funded classes to, to help you move forward. So you don't become a failure type classes. <laughs> And, and so that's where, that's my, that's my background, like where I started. And I'm not saying I'm this extremely successful guy, but I've made, I've gotten myself out of depression and made significant changes in my life by just setting goals and taking massive action, choosing myself and just understanding that the time is really going to pass anyways. Like you can, I could have kept working at Target and the time is going to pass. Or, or I could have been like, man, if I, you know, if I quit, you know, it's going to be really hard. You know, you're, how am I going to make money? Like, oh, let's just keep working here because I'm going to get a raise and, you know, I, I can get a new car. And the thing is, is like with entrepreneurship, I think it's important to understand it or personal development. It's like time is going to pass anyways. It's like no matter what, next year is coming. And so you can be where you are now or you can start taking massive action. And just a year ago, you know, a year ago today, I was like sitting on my bed, like wondering, you know, what am I doing with my life? And And now, you know, I'm, I was, I'm a listener of your podcast and, and now I'm being featured on your podcast and I've got my own show going on. It's just amazing what you can do when you, when you just stand up for yourself and make it, make it happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed, man. I think it's, and you did take massive action as well because you, you even, well, not just where you got yourself, but you came through the Art of Charm program as well really recently. And we don't have to beat that one to death because guys have heard about that a lot on the show. But I mean, how did that fit into your, your, your game plan for, business and creating more opportunities for yourself in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm all about personal development. Like, obviously this is like what I do. And so when the opportunity, when I saw what it was, what was going on there and I was really interested in the program, um, it, it's, 
it, it was about adventure and it was just about growth. And I was able to apply a lot of what I learned. Just, just you know, so, social dynamics is business. Like, you know, people talk, people talk about business like always, like it's about money, money, this, and revenue, and, and that's important. But you know, I've I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who've said this. Um, actually, Aaron told me this. So I was thinking who said it. Aaron's my mentor, and he said, you know, your your net your net worth. Uh, it's it's not about your net worth. It, it's about your net worth. Yeah, that's like one in, of those cool, cool like entrepreneur cliches. Your net worth determines your net worth. You'll hear that in some <laughs> variation at every seminar that you go to, and it's and it's funny because it's true, but it's like, dude, just phrase it in a way that doesn't sound super corny, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so going out to Art of Charm and, and meeting uh, the instructors. Uh, like AJ and Johnny and uh, the crew that I was with, uh, learning with, uh, it was a great experience, and and it ch- it challenged me, helped me, kind of showed me uh, take a step back and and look at the fundamentals of of social dynamics. Uh, sometimes you think in order to be advanced, you have to know advanced material. However, looking back, I think an epiphany for me at the Art of Charm uh, boot camp was that you know to in order to be advanced, you need to uh, master the fundamentals. Yeah, that's it's funny because when you and I were talking before, we talked about that with jujitsu and MMA fighters. Is like the guys who win aren't the guys that can do the triple sow cow backflip round kick, but they're the guys who can like close the gap or what? I I don't know much about this stuff, but close the gap and have like their jabs down and have the endurance and have just like done enough reps, done enough jump roping, done enough getting punched in the face and pushing through the pain. It's always about the fundamentals, and it's never. It's never about the latest and greatest little hack. Yeah. I mean, a great example of a, a UFC fighter who has amazing fundamentals is, is GSP or George St. Pierre. I mean, he's not, you know, we, we, he looked great. And like, you watch the UFC like pre fight and you're like, wow, this, especially this in his little shorts. He was, <laughs> those little, uh, Cause isn't he, fr- he's like French, right? Yeah. Uh, he's Canadian. Quebec, yeah. Quebec. Yeah. And so, <laughs> You know, he, when he comes out and fights, you're all excited. You're like, oh, what's he going to do? And then the fight's over and he wins by decision. And you're like, wait, what? But but he wins all the time. And he, he's, he is a good fighter, but he's he's got the fundamentals down and it doesn't look fancy. It's just, uh, it's not show and tell. It's it's let's win and uh, take the belt home consecutively over a long period of time. Like one of the greatest in, in the UFC MMA history. And, and, and many other, uh, like UFC champions. It's like when you try and get flashy, uh, you get jacked up. Um, an example of that would be, you know, let, let's, uh, ah, this Anderson Silva. It's like he gets flashy and then he loses and gets knocked out. Like he tries to do you know, flashy <laughs> things and then you get knocked out. It's like you could keep your belt or you can be, stay with the fundamentals. Anyways, that's a tangent on the UFC, but <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. It's, it's a, it's a guy show, a lot of women listening. Probably half the audience is into MMA anyways. Maybe not, okay. but we'll see. We'll right. see how that tests. If I get enough hate mail about it, you know, you're 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 never coming on again. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it, so the boot camp, you know, it was an epic time. You know, I learned a ton about social dynamics, attracting women, and a lot of these lessons apply straight into business. It's it's establishing rapport, having fun with people, bantering, being able to approach and, and be fearless of rejection. This is all. This is all just sales. This is all you know building. Uh, building your network or your, sorry, your network and same thing it, if you ask any motivational speaker though right exactly <laughs> <laughs> and so you know the boot camp really taught me how to use body language in a positive way uh, in a negative way 
and to show that you know you're not you're not coming off needy and you're gonna, which is obviously going to make you appear less valuable um which is true you know social dynamics as it is in business yeah i was going to ask if you'd been applying this stuff in business as well because i think honestly it's if we could sell the program the way we do uh just by talking about the business aspects it would be great but as you probably know the problem is you tell guys listen we're going to teach you to network create and maintain relationships we're going to make this some, you're more engaging, more charismatic. You're going to get more business traction from it. They go, cool, yeah, cool, I'll look into it. And then you're like, and it'll help you get girls. And they're like, wait, what? What was the name of the company? Let me get a notebook. What was the phone number? How do I get into? You know, it just doesn't have that same visceral reaction from people. So, you know, we got we to gotta market it like girls, girls, this, that, relationships. But at the end of the day, it's always business. Because you, you can't get people to fly across the world just to learn how to meet girls. You know, it, it, it doesn't happen. And our in your boot camp, there was a lot of domestic guys, but in most boot camps, there's a lot of foreigners and uh, people from other parts of the world. And, you know, they come through. It's like they, they come for the girls, but they stay for the business. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's a tagline in there somewhere. So where can guys find more stuff from you and get a hold of you, et cetera? Yeah, I've, you know, the best contact is just going to be knowledgeformen.com. You can check out the podcast, the blog, the popular articles I've written, and uh, my contact page is right on there. All right. Thanks so much, man. Much appreciated. And we'll see you when the AOC alumni get together. All right. Sounds good, Jordan. Thanks Take for care, having buddy. me on. You got it. All right, guys. I hope you dug that episode. It's really interesting to see how people can really be so misaligned in the way that things are going in their life that it can actually exacerbate depression or just cause you to be completely bummed out. And it's also interesting how fear can actually bottleneck your success in other areas of your life, not just with one thing, not just with business, not just with your job, not just with your relationships with others, but how those things pass through and sort of bleed over into other areas of your life for better or for worse. And guys, if you want to check out more from Andrew, go to knowledgeformen.com. Have a look at what he's got there. Lots of blog articles and podcasts. And of course, tell your friends. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one and we'll see you next time. Special thanks to you guys for listening. Show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let me know, jordanh at theartofcharm.com. And of course, boot camp details there as well. Go ahead and email or call me. Honestly, that's the best way to get in touch, and I'll give you everything you need to know about our programs here in LA. If you guys are listening, but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, go ahead and make the change there, because getting your shows delivered free to your phone or computer while you sleep is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. Just go to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and search for The Art of Charm. That's it. And if you guys want to write us a nice review, we'll love you forever there as well because it helps other people find us and it's really important to keep our show ranks up. So tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.